Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. If this is your first time listening to the episode, and there's a good chance it may be with the growth we've had lately, welcome. My name is Walter, and I am from the Panhandle of Florida. My co-host is from Central Florida, Chase. Dude, have you have you had a good week? Have you been hunting? Like, what's the deal? What, what's been going on with you? <laughs> uh, actually, I haven't been hunting that much. Uh, I've been working quite a bit and the weather is just god awful down here right now. I mean, it was high of 91 degrees yesterday. It's yeah. humid. Uh we've it's got a warm. we've got a south wind that's been coming in and I've never really had a lot of luck on uh, south wind. Uh, but that's fixing to change uh starting tomorrow night, which will be Halloween night. We're supposed to get a cold front coming in. Um so I'm planning on being in the woods uh all this weekend or Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday uh, to try to knock one down. So that that's what I've got going on right now, man. What have you been up to? Dude, uh, hunting. First weekend is in the books. I'm oh, yeah, excited right. to say that deer season has kicked off. This will be the first episode we've recorded with me being able to have hunted for deer this year, and uh, it was a big, flat failure in a lot of ways. <laughs> but, but. I, I'm actually going to I'm gonna walk that back. It wasn't a failure because you learn something every time you're in the woods, right? Right. And uh, I found a couple awesome spots that uh, I didn't think were going to be awesome, but the sign is now there. And the spots that I thought were going to be awesome turned out to be kind of lukewarm, um, you know, sprinkling some dudes kind of setting up on top of you at the same time. Right. Um, you know, it, it, it it's something. But uh, I'm actually oddly optimistic i came out of the first weekend feeling a little bit uh bummed like maybe i didn't do enough scouting on uh, this this piece of property i was trying to hunt um but sunday i you know I, I i pulled my myself up by the bootstraps went out there and uh pretty much set my mind out that i was gonna walk my way in real slow 
there's the first time I took the Bullman step, so I kind of just like like slung those over my shoulder. I knocked an arrow, and I walked back in a swamp bottom a good long ways, found some hot signs, set up on it, and on the way out, I bumped deer. So I went from no encounters and not feeling quite so hot to, you know, doing the right thing and, and getting on deer. So I feel pretty good. We're good. Well, you, like I yeah, said, it's the start of your season, so it's a long yeah. way to go. So you got plenty yeah. of time <laughs> to figure it out. Well, you, well, you know, you, you spend so long, like, daydreaming about first contact, you know, first season. You're going to get out there. You're going to happen. And you, you envision how things are going to go, and then it doesn't happen. It's kind of easy to feel, like, you know, sorry for yourself. Yeah. But, well, not everybody kills stuff on opening day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> Well, if you're new to the show, that joke doesn't make any sense. However, if you go back a couple episodes, Chase has killed probably 200 inches of antler now. Uh, He did that the first 10 days of his season uh, out of his saddle for the first time. So there's our natural segue to the title sponsor of the podcast, tetherednation.com. If you don't know about Tethered, if you don't know about saddle hunting, you need to, to dive in, go to their website, check them out. Saddle hunting is the way that Chase and I primarily deer hunt now. It's a small little harness that you hang from. It cuts out all the bulk. It's very comfortable. And uh, if you're if you're hunting areas where there might only be one or two good trees, Sunday evening when I walked in there, I was hunting a funky tree. I mean, there's no way you would have got a tree stand into this tree uh, and been able to hunt it the you know the way I was, and that would have been the only way to have killed a deer. So. Chase had the same experience this year. He hunted a deer, killed it because he was able to set up in a tree he wasn't previously able to. The proof's in the pudding. Tetherednation.com. Let them know that we sent you, and we'd be forever in your debt. Now, we have to thank a couple people who've helped also make this podcast possible, and that's our Patreon subscribers. If you don't know what Patreon is, Patreon is a monthly contribution to the show. You can go to patreon.com forward slash chasingtailsoutdoors. And you can pick a tier, a 2 a 5 and a $10 tier, and that money goes right to the production of this show. We don't make a paycheck off this show. There's no money left over at the end of the year. It goes right into production and travel costs, and as we expand into video, that money is very helpful in helping to acquire cameras and camera gear and camera arm. It, there's a lot that goes into it that you may not imagine. So this week, or this episode, we're going to be thanking Matthew Holland, Kyle Mork, Zach Baker, and Chris Begbie. Dude, thank you guys for joining Patreon here recently and uh, helping to support the growth of this show. Without you guys, we would not be able to grow as quickly as we have. Chase, I think that's about it. and We've got a pretty long episode. What do you say we go ahead and let them get to it? Let's do it. All right, here we go. All right, guys, we are on the line with a fella who has been working for the last 20-plus years to accomplish what we're talking about tonight. That's not to say he hasn't been accomplished in the past, only that this story is literally 21 years in the making. And if you're doing the math on your fingers, I'm sure some of you uh, weren't born that are listening right now uh, when this fella started his journey. Not to age you too much, but Chase Bowman, dude, how are you? Doing good. How are you? Man, any better, I couldn't stand it. Any day I get to sit down and talk about the outdoors with somebody, I think that's a good day and I should be happy. I agree with that. <laughs> now, Chase, uh, we're going to do a little bit here to, to get to know who you are. Uh, you're a native Virginian. You do a lot of your hunting up there. But what's important? What do the listeners need to know about who you are and, and, and how you got into the outdoors? 
I guess, you know, my life has really revolved around the outdoors. My, my whole life, my dad used to take me before, you know, I could really even walk. He cut holes in a book bag and would carry me on his back. I started hunting whitetails when I was about seven years old. I took my first one with a bow, I think, when I was nine. Um, and it all just became, you know, for me, it was, you know, my whole life has been about chasing whitetail deer. Uh, it wasn't necessarily about chasing big deer until I was about 18. Uh, then when I got a little bit of a taste of that, it just, you know, it drove me crazy. Uh, so pretty much that's just, you know, in a nutshell who I am. Um, I'm just a guy that, that loves to hunt big deer. I love to manage, you know, try and manage deer and um, properties for deer. It's something that I, I kind of fell in love with for the past few years here. And uh, just, you know, I got introduced like anybody else, just you know, from my dad, my two brothers that hunted and just took off with it from there. Nine years old, you killed it with a bow. What, what were you yes, what were you shooting with, like a little recurve or something? I was shooting a Jennings Micro Carbon Extreme set on 35 pounds with an overdraw. Oh, um, man. Yeah, I think I shot something like a 21-inch arrow, so you think about a crossbow bolt. <laughs> yeah, and it was at 35 pounds. You know, I'm still, I'm not a big guy. I'm five foot five, a uh, little bitty feller, and uh, yeah, it was all I could do to draw 35 pounds, but I, I made it work, and uh, <laughs> I tried hard and, and got to where I could finally pull that thing. And I was bow hunting before then um, with a little bow that, that would not kill a deer, but I was out there, you know, and thought I could. <laughs> and uh, that was actually the first buck I ever took was that the, my first bow kill. It was a little five-pointer. Man, you, you know, you think about how far archery's come since you were nine. And, uh, you know, you're not that old a fellow, but a lot has happened. You know, through the 90s and 2000s, a lot of things changed. And the bows that young kids can draw now, I have to imagine, are easier to shoot and draw than what you were dealing with then so i think that's even more impressive to me absolutely uh right now i <laughs> i still shoot a kid's bow to be honest with you i've got a hoyt uh <laughs> tricon sport it's a, a 40 pound bow uh short draw length short little bow and and that's what i hunt with and it is light years ahead of what i had uh when i was a kid you know it's a completely different deal um even though they're both roughly shooting the same poundage and this bow was a lot faster without the overdraw, uh, which was not a good idea. So don't ever go that route. You know, it's a wonder I didn't kill myself, but uh, <laughs> that's what I had. It was hand me down. So it's what I got. You know, my buddy's mom let me borrow that thing for years and years. And I used it till I was probably almost out of high school when I quit using it. And I killed 25 deer with it. So I have to ask, why are you still using a forty-pound bow? Well, I'm I'm little. We'll, we'll leave it at that. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm no uh, I, my recurve is sixty-seven pounds. Good uh, God! But I just like, you know, a bow that I'm going to hold. I like to be able to hold it, and I feel like that, you know, if you can hold that thing where it needs to be and put it where it needs to be, that's that's all you need, you know. And uh, I'm not a guy that shoots past uh, with a compound 30 yards, you know. That's that's my max. Um, I crossbow hunt, hunt a lot now, 
due to a, an eye injury that I had. It's hard for me to see uh, really when I need to see first light late in the evening. Uh, and a peep is just horrible for, for me. Um, so uh, my compound, you know, hunting is, is very limited now. Uh, it's got to be, you know, it's it's one of the things I just take a notion to, to carry it um, because I know that if it gets late, I'm, I'm done for. I, you know, I just can't see. Huh. That's interesting, man. That's, I you know, I've thought about that. I went down to a 60-pound bow um, last year and backed it off to 55 pounds because I was switching from going right-handed to left-handed because I'm left-eye dominant and I got tired of fighting it. And after I went down to 60 pounds, that was the first 60-pound bow I'd probably ever owned when it comes to compound archery. And, man, Chase and I, we were talking about it. I was like, dude, I shoot just fine with 60 pounds. And, I, and the furthest I've ever shot a deer is 33, and every other deer besides that has been 20 yards or shorter. You don't need a 70-pound bow. And I just decided to stick with what shot well. And, I mean, obviously it works for you. Yeah, and I'm the same way you are. I'm left-eye dominant right-handed. Right. Uh so, I, but I grew up shooting right-handed Me bow. Me too. Me too. And I, I never could make that switch to left-handed. I wish I could, but I just, I never could make that work. Which um, Chase can tell you, it was not an easy uh, switch for me. I mean, it probably Chase. What do you think? It took me about a year, year and a half before I. Some of that was I had some less than uh, stellar equipment I was trying to work with, but didn't fit my me personally. But it took me a while to get it down. Don't you think? Yeah, it seemed like it took at least a year <laughs> that we were going back and forth. You were constantly calling me or texting me <laughs> with your uh, archery woes, and I was just trying to give you the best advice I could. But like I said, I'm the same way. I'm I'm left eye dominant too, right hand. But uh, I just close that eye and roll with it because I like to pull the heavy poundage. Right now I'm pulling 75 pounds. And if I could, I would pull 80 or 85 <laughs> <laughs> just because I want that speed. But I like, I, I don't limit myself to 30 yards. Um, like I said, I shot that buck this year around 40. Um, it's just with Florida, a, a lot of times it's, sometimes it's hard to get them in, in that 20, 30 range, uh, especially on some of them random setups. So I just like to be prepared, not to say <laughs> that if uh, 40 pounds, the cool thing about 40 pounds is I'm sure your draw is, as smooth as all get out in the tree. You're not you're not having to uh, search for that inner strength to pull it back or anything. <laughs> well, when you're only drawing it about six inches, it don't matter much. <laughs> <laughs> My arms are about like a T-Rex. I shoot, I believe I shoot a 25-inch draw, man. I mean, it ain't, oh, it ain't wow. going okay. back far. You know, the brace height is halfway there. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm close to 30, so that's that's the difference. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you pulling that thing around the moon and back. Oh, that's hysterical. Brace height is halfway there. I've never, ever in my life heard that. That's awesome. Oh, man. Chase, we've got some rapid-fire questions that we're starting to ask people that haven't been on the show before. Um Spoiler alert for you guys. I have a feeling, having talked to Chase about uh, about this episode a couple times now, he's going to make a repeat appearance. So we're going to introduce you to the show, and uh, we're going to do that with some rapid fire that we've worked up. And uh, Chase, I went, you went first last time, so I'll go first this go-around. How about that? Uh, actually, I, I, you went first. Oh, I, I did? Okay, well, have uh, at white it, tail and mule deer. All right, Chase, do you prefer lock-on or climber? 
lock on 100%. Whitetail or mule deer hunting? Whitetail. Hmm. Moose or Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep? Rocky Mountain bighorn. Right on. Public land or private land? Private. Okay. Private. All right. Are you a face paint, face mask, or neither? Face paint. <laughs> Scent control or play the wind? Play the wind. <laughs> Fixed blade or mechanical? Fixed blade. I don't know why they make mechanical. <laughs> well, when you're only pulling 40 pounds, <laughs> yeah, you probably say, have to I shoot can't, fixed I blade. can't give up nothing. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> when the diameter of the broadhead is is, uh, is is a third of your draw length, you, it's, it, it causes problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, man. Would you rather have a freezer full of meat or a wall full of antlers? A uh, wall full of antlers. I, I rarely eat wild game. I don't eat 90% of it. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, cool. A uh, hot lead from a buddy or a cell cam blowing up your phone with pictures? Hot lead from a buddy. Oh, that's interesting. Every, okay, would you rather every deer that you kill is at least a Pope and Young or you can beat the world record by 50 inches once but never shoot another rack deer? Uh, Pope and Young all day. All right, this is our last question. It's a bold prediction. Who? Oh no, who is going to win the cocktail party this weekend? Georgia or Florida? <laughs> cocktail party. You probably uh, don't know what that is, being Virginia. It's, it's Florida <laughs> versus Georgia. Uh. I'm going to say Georgia. Ah, dadgummit. All right. And the episode's <laughs> over, guys. Chase, thanks for coming on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that was the wrong answer. <laughs> no, that's the right answer. I'm a Georgia oh, fan. Chase is a Florida fan. so That it's, wasn't uh... the correct answer. But it was a answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, by the time everybody listens to that, we will all know whether or not uh, Chase Bowman is going to quit being a hunter and be a hot take uh, sports analyst. We'll we'll know that here shortly. But uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I like asking. I can tell you the answer already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, given the fact that the, we're talking about something different than uh, sports today, and uh, you didn't know know what that was when we asked, right? <laughs> right. That's exactly right. I don't know if I've ever watched a football game in my life. Oh, honestly. My Lord. <laughs> we'll talk about that offline. <laughs> big buck killer man he's focused on bucks this time That's, of year. you know what on... you know what and he took him 21 years to make this happen so he needed all the help he could get i think <laughs> oh, <I did. laughs> all uh, this one deer yeah yeah that's true that's true no I, I think uh i like these rapid fire because very seldomly do you hear you can kind of tell what how people feel about things even when they're given brief answers you know, like fixed blade or mechanical, you know, you're just, bam, you just know what you like. And um, I think the one that I like more than anything is that moose or Rocky Mountain bighorn because it all people pause just a little bit and they kind of think yeah. about it because it's so different, you know. I had to think about that one. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Well, dude, so today's podcast is largely about, uh, I'd like to say a once-in-a-lifetime buck, but I, I don't think this is going to be the last time you kill a deer this big. In fact, it isn't the first time you killed a deer this big. Um, but this one that comes with a story that I think is unique and, and you, you unmatched in a lot of ways. And I, I led with the fact that it took 21 years to kill this deer. Obviously not this deer. But you went 
to hell and back to make a property something um, that would hold the deer that you had. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit, let's set the stage, tell everybody about this property and why uh, you started hunting it about 20 years ago. Okay, well, uh, I started hunting that property when I was about nine. Uh, it's owned by my godparents, which, you know, were kind of like my grandma and grandpa to me. And uh, they own 43 acres there total. There's about 20 acres it's huntable. Most of it's pasture land. Uh, cows running through the woods all the time, things like that. And So I, I just started hunting it young because it's next to the house. I could, you know, pretty much walk there in about 20 minutes. Uh, and you know it's just one of my favorite spots um i guess you know just because it was kind of like family land i didn't ever have to worry about anybody else being there and ruining my hunts and things and uh killed some deer there when i was young uh, some of the first deer ever killed was there with a bow uh, and you know just one of the places i just always hunted it i never seen you know, I, I'd seen big bucks, don't get me wrong, but they was always rut bucks. Uh, you know, you'd see them once, they'd be gone. And uh, at that age, you know, up until my late teens, if I seen a big buck, he got to walk because I couldn't hit him or I'd screw up. Uh, <laughs> you know, I just, I had buck fever bad. And, uh, <laughs> and so it's just somewhere I've always hunted because it's so close. And, you know, I, I just loved the place and the way it laid out and you know to me a kid you could go there and you could see three or four does you know pretty frequently so it was just you know it was the best place in the world because i didn't care what i killed sure you know um, I, I feel like i've done you a disservice i feel like i've underscored your accomplishments up until this this situation so let's, so let's pause this for just a second and and tell everybody uh how many pope and young bucks have you killed up until now Oh man! I know you got like a running tally on your dash. No, I don't. <laughs> not on. I've. I don't really know. I know I've killed um, six bucks that are over 140 inches. Three of them being over 150. Uh, the 130s down, probably uh, somewhere around a dozen, I guess. There you go. Okay. All right. See, I just I didn't want anybody to think. You know, I, I hyped up the 20 years and. I got to think, right. man, that's going to make people think that this was like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for this poor bloke. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that's not no, the case, be, obviously. Uh, the definition of madness there. Just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Been chasing the same buck for 25 years. Yeah. The buck yeah. won't die. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy's been at it for 21 years, never killed a buck. Yeah. You know, they come, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think you said earlier he had killed like 25-something deer at some point, or yeah. 25 was in the equation somewhere. So we figured he had to be hunting somewhere else probably yeah. too. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd hunted plenty of other places. No, I, what I say, I'd killed 25 with a bow, with that right. one bow, but, you know that i hunted with but um, none of those were were big bucks all of those were you know little bucks and does and it took right. me till i was 18 years old to actually kill my first big buck and it was with a bow uh before but well, before we kind of dive into the story some i was kind of hoping that he could talk a little bit about hunting virginia because i mean i've never that's a great virginia. idea yeah i don't know that let's you do have that. maybe we can get like What's the tag situation in Virginia? What's the average size deer that that people kill? Uh, just just things like that, and maybe terrain and stuff that you're hunting there. Yeah. Uh, well, we get 
where I live, Virginia's divided. Uh, you know, the Blue Ridge Parkway runs right right at my back back door, and on up through the state. My side of the the parkway here, I can kill two bucks, and you can get an endless amount of doe tags, and they cost eighteen dollars for three doe tags. Uh, and you can take all the does you want. You cross that line, you get three buck tags, an endless amount of uh, doe tags. Uh, until this year, uh, on our side, you could kill one deer a day. They changed that this year. You can kill two. Uh, the areas wow. that, I, that I hunt here in Virginia is all mountains. Uh, I live right on the very top of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Uh, so it's all pretty steep, you know, wooded, and then everything else is pretty much agriculture. Uh, a lot of cabbage, a lot of pumpkins. Um, you know, and pumpkins are my favorite, most favorite thing in this world to hunt over. They're absolutely awesome. But uh, okay, I've never heard yeah. that before. Why? Well, because early on they eat them vines, and those vines um, are very high in protein, kind of like uh, kudzu, you know, soybeans, things like that. So they hammer those vines. You'll see them bucks in the summer. Well, just they'll come running into them pumpkin fields. And then as it gets late, when they harvest them pumpkins, they leave a lot, and them deer start busting them open and eating the insides of them. So it's kind of a good thing. It's about like turnips. It's good all year round. But when they plant them pumpkins, usually they plant a huge area of them. You know, they won't fool with just like an acre. You know, you're talking 30, 40 acres. You get them in the right spot, wow. and, and you got a gold mine. Yeah. So, you know, you were talking, we were talking off the line, Chase, this kind of builds on what you're talking about. Yesterday, we were talking about your area. Do you want to avoid uh, discussing where you hunt? Uh, no, I don't mind no? at all. Okay. Tell tell uh, everybody kind of, uh, give them that overview you gave me of, of the, the unique area where you hunt, because it's, it's really interesting to me. Okay, yeah, so most of Virginia, uh, you know, is not known as a, you know, a big buck area. Uh, you kind of get out towards eastern Virginia where they run the dogs and stuff. They kill some good deer pretty consistently there. Uh, I live in Carroll County, and I live in a small part. I won't call the name of the part, uh, but I guess most of the people that would know probably know live there anyway. But, uh, <laughs> in that very small part of Carroll County, there's quite a bit of agriculture, and it is for some reason just produces a lot of good deer uh more than than anywhere else you know you can go 20 minutes down the road and if you kill 130 it's it's a good deer and that, that's probably average for virginia as far as what people call a a good deer uh a, a once in a lifetime deer around here is is a mid 130s uh but you know in our part for some reason just over the past few years and uh, it's just blown up with, with good deer. Uh, you know, I never thought in my life I'd pass 130s, and I'm passing 130s now, and I, I passed a 140 this year already. Uh, so that kind of tells you a whole lot. Uh, my brother killed a killed a buck. Gosh, I guess it's been 20 years ago or more now that scored 167. And, you know, it's just it's probably the biggest deer I've seen killed around here but we're getting some now that are in that class again and, and several of them. Um, yeah, I was telling Walter there the other day that, you know, the, the first 
big buck that I killed and got to lay my hands on that day. Uh, and he knows why I'm saying it like that. Cause he's a little bit more to that story. Uh, I shot a buck and he, he's like 120 something. I can't remember. And, uh, everybody and everybody around wanted to come see that deer you know it was an accomplishment and you know you're not talking that that long ago uh, but now you know i'm i've killed the three the you know the last the two 150s i've killed you know in the near past was 2016 and now i've done it again here in 2019 and i've missed one in between there that I'd rather not talk about because I get all emotional. <laughs> but, you know, we, and I've had some great deer on, you know, on camera uh, that got killed and that, that would have been, you know, 150s and bigger. Uh, but it's just, it's crazy because it's one little pocket. It's just like it's big buck mecca for Southwest Virginia. Um, you know, it's a tiny place. Everything that that story tells me is one you and Chase are in good company for a lot of a lot of reasons. One, I don't know how you guys pass on the deer you pass. It blows my mind. Chase keeps telling me one day when I start killing deer that it'll it'll come naturally and I'll, I'll grow grow the ability to pass on some of these good sized deer that you do. But also, Chase kind of lives in an area very similar to that. If you go, you go you travel too far away from where he hunts, the deer quality just you know pretty well tanks. I, I think. I mean, Chase, am I speaking out of turn there? Yeah, you're you're dead on. I mean, and but what he kind of mentioned was is we got agriculture in this area. So any anytime I think where you got ag, you got the deer are going to be bigger because they've always had that good nutrition and it's just been passed on from generation to generation, so that's how they the the genetics kind of come into play. Uh they've never had to worry about going hungry or and they always get high quality protein and uh, stuff like he's saying for the stem or the stems from the pumpkins. We got a bunch of watermelons, peanuts, all that down here. So I think that's part of it. And Florida's just kind of the same way. I mean, it's got a f- like isolated pockets where there's big bucks that get killed, and then everywhere else is kind of your standard um, buck that might go 80 to 100 inches uh, would be a big deer. Uh, and in my area, I mean, sometimes guys kill 150 uh, class deer. Um, I'm chasing one. I killed a 128 this year, and then I'm I'm chasing one probably that's 135, 140 um, this year. So they're they're around, just like saying there's just a little area <laughs> that you got to be in. For for yeah, sure, yeah. It's it's funny how that you know how it works, and uh, you know people people don't really realize it sometimes. You know, and, and it, you got to have big deer to kill them. Bottom line, no matter how good of a hunter you are, if you don't have a a 150 to hunt, uh, if there ain't one within eight miles, mm-hmm. you know, you can never <laughs> kill a 150. Nope. Yeah. So, yeah, Chase and I were tight. talking about that yesterday when we were on the phone touching base before this episode. Uh, Chase Bowman. Um, that's going to be confusing because I'm going to have to keep catching that every once in a while because people won't know if I'm talking to Chase or Chase here. But uh, – <laughs> We, we were talking about that, you know, the, it, handling the expectations of where you hunt. You know, I hunt on public land. I can't shoot what Chase uh, shoots up there in Virginia. It's just not going to happen. I can't – I not that I can't. It's just I shouldn't wait for it, you know, and, and you kind of have to, you know, tailor your expectations to what your hunting expe- uh, your hunting grounds can provide, you know. That's right. Yeah, it, it saves you a lot of disappointment in the end. Sure. Sure. Exactly. And tags. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> they go up every year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you talk about what went goes into killing big deer. You have to be a good deer hunter. This property is kind of interesting. Um, it, it, well, let's do this. Let's come from this angle. What about this property took you so long? Uh, to kill a racked buck. I mean, obviously there's smaller ones there, but as you progressed and you became a big buck hunter, I remember you telling me that this property didn't necessarily hold those big deer. And I think you went about it in a really creative way to have it hold those big deer. Yeah. Uh, that's a, actually a really good question because I can kind of paint a picture for you off that, or hopefully I can. So this property, uh, we just started at the hard top road. It's going to be easier. So you got a flat hard top road. Well, from from that hard top road to the top of that property is probably 250, 300 yards. And I'd say it changes elevation by about uh, 150 feet. All right. And then it's flat on top for about 50, 75 yards and then drops off the back quicker than it drops off the front to the road. So really, the property kind of makes its own ridge. Nowhere on that property or the one adjoining on the backside for a long ways is there a single oak tree. No kind of hardwood. It's all poplar. I shot that buck in a patch of poplars. Uh, there was no real bedding. Uh, everything was kind of open. What, what, what had been cut before off of the property, the cows, you know, where they moved in, uh, they kind of kept things cleaned up, you know, head high to where the deer just, you know, it was too open to bed. So really the only food on the property was a cow pasture. It stays eaten down naturally. And then there's a, a nine acre field that joins it. And, and it's right. You can see the whole field from the road. So, you know, every court comes by the deer turn and run. They're, you know, they'll, they'll feed out there some, and we planted in alfalfa, but they just don't feel safe. They didn't feel safe anywhere on that property. Um, there's no great food. There's no nowhere to hide. It just they didn't have anything that a big buck would need or want to live on. So what did you do to address that? I mean, you got a couple options here. I mean, you can, you can turn this into a food source. It's only, you said, about 40 acres, right? Yes. So, and it was it still running cattle uh, while you were hunting it the entire time? Yeah, well, normally they pull the cattle out first October, but, you know, by that time, that's when our bow season hits, so the damage sure. is done. Right, right. Uh, especially when you don't have them white oak acorns for them to forage right. on, because that's our big food source right then. Uh, so what I did was I went in there and cleared out a little spot and tilled it, and... It's about an eighth of an acre in the middle of the woods. And I fenced it off to where the cattle couldn't get to it, and I dug a water hole because there's no water that's super close by. And I put that right on the edge of where I was going to make my bed. Then I was lucky enough, the guy that owned, he owns about a six, seven acre field that joins me. And there's some cabins and stuff back there, so nobody was hunting it. And he let me go in there and make a food plot in there, and it's about an acre. So it's about 60 yards off the bed. The other one's tucked into the bed, and the water's right on the bed. So to create my bedding, 
I went in and done some hinge cuts to create the side cover. And that also lets the shoots off of that tree continue to grow, gives the deer something to feed. And I, I tried to cut enough, and obviously I did, to where the cattle wouldn't just come in and, you know, just destroy it. And, uh, you know, that's really all I had to do. And I laid those trees in a way to make kind of a funnel, to funnel them into the small plot out of that bed. And uh, it just all worked. I mean, it's probably crazy luck, but it all worked the way it should have. You know, um, I went one step further and I planted 25 fruit trees, which they're not doing anything yet. But, you know, here in a few years, sure, it's only going to get better and better. You know, I think it's interesting. I'd like to know why you did what you did, right? Because if I'm mistaken, this is this is one of the few prop, the private properties you can manipulate. Isn't that what we said on the phone? Yes, it's really the only one right now that I can so, manipulate. So you didn't have, I don't think, uh, I don't recall you telling me that you had like a, uh, a big body of knowledge of manipulating wood. So how did you pick what you did on this property? Well, uh, I got uh, watched the show. Our guy on YouTube, Whitetail Habitat, Habitat something, and I took about half of what he said and tried to apply it on my place and just took what I felt like were good points, not saying he didn't, you know, everything he said wasn't true, uh, but I I took a, took what I could from it on what I thought would help me. Then I, I've got a buddy that uh, he's been doing food plots for a long time and knows a whole lot about whitetails. And uh, I burn his phone up. And, you know, sometimes that's what you got to do is just aggravate people, you know, uh, to the point where, you know, you drive them crazy. But, you know, he was very helpful. I mean, you know, um, he actually come in and helped me do my food plots and all, brought his equipment in and done them. Uh, it's, it's hard to find people that do that for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's really how I, you know, just – watching youtube videos and you know kind of sorting out the bs in a lot of them uh i mean you know because there is some stuff out there that you know i know better uh yeah than to believe it so you know uh that's just kind of where i got i knew i had to do something was the main thing and i was willing to risk messing it all up because i had nothing to lose right uh, so i guess more than anything that's that's how I came about doing what I did because I had nothing to lose. Uh, you know, I had this big ass set of horns sitting in my living room floor and they weren't on a wall. And that was a problem that I needed to solve. So I love that's, that. That's how I got, got to it. You set out to, to make it happen. So you, you made all these changes. How long before you started seeing uh, this dude on the property? Like using those changes. Uh, well, the day I killed him, man. Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely uh, was using it that day. Yeah. <laughs> no, in all in all seriousness, uh, that deer had ghosted for four years. Really? Uh, yeah, we had. Uh, we got a picture of him as a two two and a half year old. After season, me and my buddy TJ, he uh, they farmed the land that joins on the back. Uh, probably quarter of a mile or more from me. And and that's probably, you know, what I thought, that's where I thought that deer would be killed uh, because those guys are good hunters and 
they had the food, they had the bed, they had everything. Uh, but so we got pictures of this deer as, you know, just a rock star, two and a half year old, you know, 115 inch deer probably because his points were so long. Um, and he kind of, he slipped out of my mind for a while. Uh, because you know, it was after season whenever he showed up and he showed up with a buck. It was a 10 pointer. It was easy in the one fifties. God. So that was my main focus. But you know, at that point it was 2015 and I was still just relying on a lot of luck. Um, but anyway, so that deer ghosted, I mean, you know, at two and a half years old pictures of him. Three and a half, nothing. Four and a half, not a picture. But then I found his horns. Um, and his horns, when I picked them up, they were laying, you know, both within 20 yards of each other. And I knew then you know, that it was a deer I wanted to kill, and I knew what deer it was, and I knew I had to make some changes. And he was actually on the opposite side of the road that, that I thought he was on. Uh, that's where he had, you know, apparently took up bed. So that, you know, that was 2017 and that I decided that I was going to, or actually early 2018, I'm sorry, that I decided I was going to, you know, really make some changes and, and try to kill that deer. Uh, yeah, it was a fool's bet on a deer that, that hadn't even walked in front of the camera, you know, for you know, at that time it had been three years since he showed up. Uh, so I started making my changes. And that year, we had turkeys to stay on the place for the first time ever. Um, that had never happened. Never had seen a turkey there more than once or twice in my life. So I knew something was working, and then we got seeing a lot of younger bucks staying there. Uh, and I, you know, I never did see that deer. Uh, never had an encounter with him, but I knew if he made it, that you know it'd be a matter of time, and nobody killed him. Uh, so. Shed season come around, uh, 2000, you know, this year I searched and searched, never found a horn on that dude. Uh, assumed he was dead, and then he starts showing up in what I'm going to call the hayfield part. That's the little <laughs> field on the side of the road, and everybody started talking about this huge buck he was seeing out there, and he was running with a bunch of other bucks, and I, I was lucky enough one evening uh, – she was my fiance at the time. We're married now. We uh, rode out there one evening close to dark, and, and there he was. And as soon as I seen him, you know, from 100 yards away, my naked eye, I said, that's a buck I got horns to. And uh, all my buddies said I was crazy. But I knew, you know, I've been looking at things for two years, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. I, I knew who they belonged to. <laughs> it was love at first sight, seen. you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. To, to, to your wife, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's one of the things where I, I was like looking through my binoculars then, and she, I was like, "Man, I love you." And she's like, "I love you too." So, we'll fast forward a little bit to you know, uh, we just put the plots in at this time. You know, they really hadn't started growing much. Uh, actually, I'm kind of backing up. The plots were already in whenever I was seeing this deer and. My buddy Will, the guy that helps me uh, with my plots and solves all my whitetail questions for me, uh, 
he, he told me, he said, I'm going to put a lock on your gate so you can't go up there. Because the year before, man, I was in that thing all the time. You know, I was, it was something new. You know, I'd never had a food plot. So I was up there, you know, I was all butt taking to take on nail trimmers going up there cutting weeds out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every weekend I was in it. And, you know, he told me, so just stay out of it. So that's what I did. And uh, so, I'm, you know, people seen his big buck. I got to see him. I don't know if he's on my food plot because I didn't hang a camera for him. Because um, obviously, to him, he just don't walk in front of cameras. I don't know why, <laughs> but I knew I'd be in there if I did. That was the main reason. Uh, so, August 20, God, I hope I'm right on this one. August, August 24th was it. Yeah, my wedding day. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I got married in my godmother's yard. And so they were out there, all my buddies and stuff were out there, and they were setting up the tables and everything. And, and that deer is out in the hayfield. Um, you know, on my wedding day, you can see him from, from where we got married. Um, they seen him. So I, I thought to myself then, you know, this this may be meant meant to be. And I wasn't talking about the wife. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you already made that decision. <laughs> yeah. Y'all see my wedding pictures. I'm looking over my shoulder half the time, see if you come back out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're telling the the camera person, can you move over there and take pictures? (laughs) When you're looking at the camera, you're looking at the deer. (laughs) Go get that six-foot lens you got in the back of that car. (laughs) (laughs) His sheds were actually uh, the centerpiece on the table that I, you know, where where we ate, whatever, after we got married. Man, I can't tell if you married your wife or this deer on the 24th, man. It it seems like... Both. uh, (laughs) 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 It was part. Yeah, Uh, yeah. and and the funny thing was, whenever I proposed to her, we shed on together a lot, I hid that shed and put her her ring on one of his sheds and let her find it, and that's how I proposed to her. Yeah, if you you scroll through my pictures on Facebook, you'll see it. so it's just so ironic, you know. <laughs> that's awesome, yeah, that's, dude. That's, that's an, an obsession, obsession right there, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I tell you how bad I want to kill that deer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little tiny bit. <laughs> yeah. I was obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, really, immediately I started seeing a change in the property, um, even though I didn't see – it benefiting him i seen it benefiting the younger bucks uh the the first time i seen that buck he was out there with nine other bucks and you know a couple other ones were, were pretty good not like he was but they were good so i i you know i knew the the property was getting better even though they were in valve but just to have that many bucks at one place one of them at least is going to stay uh, yeah you can about bet on it so you know, immediately, immediate change. It's night and day different, deer, turkey, you know, both. Um, but I didn't I didn't go back to that food plot till we got back from Wyoming after our honeymoon. And Virginia has this thing. It's really cool. It's called Youth and Apprentice Weekend. And what it is is the week before bow season, all the kids get to hunt with a rifle for that weekend. They get two days, and 
if you have never held a hunting license in your life, they'll give you this thing called an apprentice license. It costs $23 and it's good for two years. So my wife, who had never hunted, you know, in 2018, she got to hunt on youth day with her apprentice license. And I had to be right there with her. Um, and she killed two bucks that first youth weekend. She killed two nice bucks. Um, and then, so this year she got to do it again. We didn't kill anything, but we went back to that plot and I was going to let her try and kill him. And, uh, you know, I seen that, you know, I had rape planted. That was the, the dominant thing I planted and that stuff was almost waist high. So I had a good feeling that, that it was going to be good. My oats were way up. And, uh, so, uh, I was anxious to get in the, in the stand and get to hunt the next weekend. Yeah, I imagine so. What what at this point you've obsessed with this deer for quite some time. What, how were you feeling about it? Was it starting to be an anxious thing about it, or were, were you trusting in a process? Uh, honestly, it almost and I don't. It almost got to the point of dread, in a way. Um, and I know that's weird to say, but I was just so torn up over this deer. And, you know, it's one of them things you, you hunt in the evening, um, you know, say 2018, I'm sitting there muzzler hunting and a gunshot goes off three, 400 yards away and your heart sinks. Um, <laughs> I was, I was dreaming about this deer, uh, not so much in the summer until I seen him, but it was almost, you know, I'd, I'd almost made myself feel like that, that I wasn't you know, as good of a hunter as, as I thought I was if I didn't kill him and it was eating at me, you know, Sure. because so far that was the only deer that I'd ever hunted, you know, and, and kind of knew him and knew something about him that I could not see. Um, every deer other than him that I'd ever set out to actually hunt that specific deer, uh, that didn't get killed before I got to got my chance. I'd at least seen them, and I couldn't even see this dude. Uh, so I felt like everything that I was doing was just completely wrong, and it was really eating at me bad. So, but anxious, yes, but you know, it was more of just like somebody's ripping you guts out every day. I, I guess you know, <laughs> it, it was eating eating at me. Chase knows how that feels. He's chasing a buck right now that I, I imagine he sweats over. <laughs> eh, not not yet but getting there <laughs> i don't have i don't have Pick four years for a few years you'll you'll know <laughs> <laughs> yeah well florida's florida's hard to shed hunt i mean i've found yeah. some sheds but it's so thick and everything that uh you're lucky if you find like one or two sheds if you if you go shed hunting uh after the season and they don't and they shed at different times too i mean there's been there's times where they don't shed till like March or April. I, I've still seen them with their with their uh, antlers, so it's kind of hard. They don't all just kind of start falling off like after the first of the year or anything. Um, the, I, like I said, they they hold for a while, and I feel like I said these bucks are some of the stuff so thick, and the squirrels and everything else get to them before you can. Uh, I just never really have gotten into the shed hunting thing as much. Uh, as as everybody else i've tried it's not for lack of trying but yeah uh, it's just the fruits of the labor aren't there <laughs> for for the deer but uh I, i've got two years 
this would be my second year with this deer. So it's not like I got four years of history with this deer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's haunting me at this point. And you know, yeah. I think the best time around here to, to shed hunt, honestly, is after a controlled burn because you've got, that's the only time that a, all that stuff is, you know, is knocked back the ground covered where you can see the ground, but then you've got that nice contrast between, you know, a, uh, you know, a white antler and in the, in the black soot, you know, it just sticks out like a sore thumb, but outside of that, it's difficult, man. Yeah, that's a that's actually pretty pretty interesting there. Uh, I didn't know they did control burns and things like that down there. Yeah, because that's not something you ever see here. Nobody burns anything. We don't even burn a damn trash. <laughs> <laughs> it, For me, as far as the shed hunting, if it ain't raining, I ain't going. Right. Uh, I don't know if y'all ever tried that, but uh, if it's a sunny day. Huh. You're wasting your time. If it ain't, you know, if it ain't had just had rain and still overcast or just pouring rain, I, I don't even care to go. They show up a hundred times better when they're wet. Okay. That makes sense. And I, I guess, that. I guess if it's raining, it's not like super bright out either. So the contrast, like right. the harshness is different too, right? Yeah. You're not getting all them reflections off everything. Sticks don't look like shed horns so much anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's a yep. good thought. I hadn't thought about that. Chase, we may have to try that. Yeah, I definitely would. You know, that's that's what helped me because I was like at poor. I couldn't find a shed to save my life. And, you know, we've, I think, between the last two years, between me and my wife, we found like 50. So. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And that was really the biggest thing that I changed. So rainy days after after a controlled burn and chase you and i can probably become become <laughs> retired off of how much uh, uh antler we can sell <laughs> the only problem is is most of them will probably be about 30 inches yeah, if we're lucky <laughs> a 30 inch side so if it's going by the inch we're gonna be in trouble we're gonna have to find about 150 of them one day to equal his 50 <laughs> dog, dog chew toys man yeah. i'm seeing things everywhere cut up for four dollars or something yeah. please it's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. God, I'm sitting on a gold mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, let's – uh. so the, the day of the hunt, the day you killed this deer, mm-hmm. why did you pick this day and, and what happened? Well, that kind of has to rewind to the day before. Okay. Uh, the day before I killed this deer was opening day of bow season, so naturally that's where I was going to go. Uh. And the way that I've got my stand set there, uh, it's in the the best way that the wind could be, and that's, you know, on the south wind, uh, which is our predominant here. Um, so I was heading in that day at one thirty. I took my wife that morning and hunted with her. And that the the buck that, that had been seen with with the buck I killed, what I'll call his running mate was out in that little field with a few other bucks. And, you know, I thought, well, eventually these things are going to spook out of this field because that's what always happens. And hopefully they'll run that fence line and come out of my food plot to finish out the evening. So I sat there till dark, and I seen some deer, but, uh, you know, I seen a spike. It's the only buck I seen. Well, I left... And I called my, my godmother because I'm, you know, sort of a mama's boy. 
and I told her I was okay, you know, that was out of the woods. And <laughs> she said that that whenever she was coming home, uh, she'd been out to eat or something. And when she was coming home, which was right before dark, that the field was just full of deer and looked like some of them had big old racks on their head. That's how she always oh. described it. And I was like, well, I was in the wrong spot. So <laughs> the next day, same thing, 12 o'clock, I'm going in. No deer out in that small field, and I go to get my food plot, and I thought, you know, the chances of him being here are probably greater than, than all of them coming back out over there again. Well, I, I get there, and I talk to the gentleman. There's a a, a man on the back side. Uh, his name's Mr. Nixon, and he lets me park there. He's got, like, a little weekend house, and he allows me to park on his side because that gives me my, ba- my best access. And to me, access is everything. I can get in there without spooking deer most of the time if I come in from his side. The other way, i got to walk, you know, almost the length of my bedding, which sounds stupid to put it in that that spot, but that's the only place I had to put it, you know. Mm-hmm. It's limited. So I park, I talk to him, I go to get in the stand, and... uh I just had hooked, hooked my gear up to my rope, getting ready to climb up. And, you know, it, it's it's in my head, you know, should you go back over there where you seen them bucks yesterday? But I didn't have a stand there. Uh, I'd have to hunt off the ground. So it, I was like, man, you know, they're probably going to be right here in this food plot because it's looking so good. I've got to stand here. But I was like, well, I'm going to text Will. Uh, and whatever Will says is what I'm going to do. So I shot Will a text, and he said, go back where you seen him yesterday. He said, nothing else. Just use it for observation. I thought it's kind of hard to observe much off the ground, but I didn't tell him I didn't have a stand because I didn't want to sound like a damn fool. Uh, <laughs> so I went, and uh, I'd had a stand up there when I was young, and the tree had blew down, blown down and, and caught up in another tree. So I got, and there was a big tree to the back of it. I got on that, that log of that of what was left of that tree. And this thing's about almost as big around as a 50-gallon drum. And I straddled that thing from like 3.30 on. Hmm. And it was in a briar patch, so I had to fight my way in. And I, you know, I get up and hop up on this thing. My feet are dangling off the ground. <laughs> feeling like a fool and some turkeys come in and then things walked all around me I mean within like seven yards and never seen me and I thought you know this might work so finally they go on and I can kind of stretch out you know stretch my back a little bit move around but as soon as I start doing that I hear a deer walking through the thick stuff it's just a big patch of poplars but it's got some you know, small bushes growing up in it makes it thick and some briars. And I look and I see a deer's legs come. And it turned out it was a little four-pointer. And he come out and he stayed about 15 yards from me for what felt like two hours. Uh, and this was about 630. Uh, and that deer, he'd look at me every once in a while and, you know, twist his head funny. and yeah, He knew I wasn't supposed to be there, but he couldn't quite figure it out. Uh, so I'm just sitting there trying my best not to move, and I'm hurting all over. 
you know, because straddling that tree was oh, yeah. the dumbest thing I ever did in my <laughs> life. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and, and I, I thought I heard a deer walking. Well, he snaps his head, and this this little full corner is probably 10 yards from me right now. And uh, I thought, oh, no, what am I going to do? So he, I let him get kind of content on trying to figure out what's coming through the woods, and I just, you know, eased my head over, and I seen him coming. And I thought, oh, God. Well, I, I could see him, and he wasn't but uh, 25, 30 yards. You know, I don't know exactly how far he was. Could have been closer. He wasn't no further. And he had his horns up in a small bush raking his horns. And I could not tell how big the deer was, but I knew he had a good frame. And uh, so I was like, well, he'll walk out in this field and it'll be an easy shot. You know, and I had no clue at this time that this was the buck I'd, I'd been after for so long. Uh, and it's a good thing I didn't because I'd have fell apart. <laughs> right out that, cr- out that tree, huh? Uh, oh, yeah. I'd have shook that thing <laughs> down. <You> know, <laughs> it wouldn't have been large no more. <laughs> so, so this thing, he's, he's, you know, he's got his horns up in that bush and I'm like just waiting and, uh, you know, I've got my crossbow laid across my lap and I thank God I brought it that day cause I'd have never done it with a compound. <laughs> It'd been impossible. And, uh, all of a sudden I just hear a stomping right behind me. And apparently I was just so in tune with this big buck that I, I, I don't know if I was moving a little bit or what, but that four pointer had me. And I was like, oh, no. Your and heart he sank, huh? Yeah, I, I knew it was over. <laughs> so, you know, about the third third or fourth stomp, he let out there. I just threw my crossbow up, and I found that deer. I knew he was close enough that it didn't matter, you know, if I just put my, my top crosshair on him, it was going to be good. And he was quartered to me pretty bad. Uh, but I knew I could get that arrow out that out the offside lung because he was he was almost quartered you know he was quartered really bad but he was quartered if he'd been a little bit less i I wouldn't have shot but he was enough to where i knew i could run it through his neck through that pocket in his neck and you know between his shoulder there and come out through the lungs on the other on the opposite side and uh luckily there was just there was a hole about the size of a basketball and uh i could see his throat patch and I put it right to the to the right of that throat patch and let it go. And he tore off, and I didn't know what the hell to do. Because uh, <laughs> you know, um, when he when he turned to run, I could I could you know he looked like a better buck. Uh, you know they always look bigger going away. <laughs> so, <laughs> <what> she said. <laughs> and, <laughs> so. I've been texting my buddy TJ, who, you know, as I said, owns a land across from me there. I said, and, you know, we're talking, it's like 630 or something. I don't know, 645, and still a little bit in the dark. And we'd been texting until that four-pointer come out, and I just, you know, threw my phone down. And uh, and I, I, I texted him, and I said, I, I smashed one, and uh, which is not something I usually say, which is odd. But that's how you get out of story. So uh, he said, well, he said, you need help. And I texted back and said, just yes. And I told him, I said, I'm going down to my godmother's. I'm not going to go look for him because if I get on the, the blood trail, I won't quit and I'll jump him. And, right. 
He said, how big is it? I said, I don't know. I said, it might be 115 inches. I said, but it's got a good frame. <laughs> so I went For the record, to... he, he was off. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was off by an inch or two. <laughs> yeah. Normally, it's the other way around. I'm like, is it 150? And it's 115. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not saying, you know, if there's anything wrong with 115 inch there, there's a big difference oh, between yeah. the two. Usually, my luck is the opposite. You know, it's usually the 115. Uh, so anyway, I walked down to her house. I just left everything I had there. Well, I'm missing a point, and this this is going to make you guys laugh. Uh, so I shoot this deer, and I text TJ, you know, and I'm in this briar patch, straddling this log. Well, what I failed to remember was that some hours back, my legs had went completely numb. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I could do was toss my crossbow down and try and get off this log, dismount it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I... I kind of shifted off to one side there when my leg touched the ground. Uh, there was nothing there to catch it. <laughs> but luckily and unluckily, whenever I come around to following them briars, my ass cheeks spread around that log and it caught me. Oh, God. And I felt like the Hulk had a hold of each one of them. was just, you know, oh, man. <laughs> you talk about a bad feeling. <laughs> and, uh, so I finally moved around and got myself rolled off in the briars, and I stood up, and I instantly thought, I'm going to ship myself before I get out of these briars, and that's not going to be good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to tell TJ. Yeah, bring me some pants, dude. You know? <laughs> so, finally, once that, sen- yeah, once that sensation left, I was able to walk down to her house and uh, yeah, left everything there, including my pride at that point. <laughs> Yeah, TJ came and met me, and you know, he, we were talking. And I, I really wasn't all that excited. I mean, I was, but not because I didn't know what it was. Not like I was when I chopped my other bucks, you know. And, uh, and so we went up there, and I told him, you know, I was like, man, I was like, I'm afraid it ain't ain't what I'm looking for, but it was shoot or not. Right. And it was good enough for me. Uh, and a 115-inch deer with a bow, I, you know, a compound, I shoot them all day long, still sure. to this day, you know, crossbow, maybe not, because it's a lot easier. I don't care what anybody says, you know, I'm a crossbow hunter, it's easier. Uh, <laughs> but I love yeah, how I mean, unabashed you are about that, by the way. Oh, I mean, it's the truth, you know, it's 100% truth. I'll never say any different to make myself sound or feel better, <laughs> it's easier. Um, so we go up there, and, you know, we collect my stuff it's all thrown around and uh what's left of my rectum hanging on lock <laughs> and uh, we start looking for blood and they is just blood sprayed everywhere man and it's to the point that we can't figure out where he was when i shot him i mean it's just everywhere uh and I wasn't shooting a 12-inch expandable. You know, I'm shooting an inch and eight and <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> You put it through that jugular, though. And yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They'll bleed. They ain't going far. So we looked. Yeah. Uh, you know, he didn't go far. Mm-hmm. I heard him crash when I shot him. But I wasn't taught. You know, I, I, I never leave it at that. You know, he's down right there. <laughs> you know, let's go get him. Right. Because I've had that. I had one get up one time and, and, and leave there. 
uh, after I done picked his head up. But yeah, that's a stupid story for another day. But um, <laughs> so we we looked for the air for like thirty minutes because I just wasn't, you know, I was I didn't know it was that caliber deer. I'd done been running down the hill, um, and we we couldn't find the air. So I was like, well, let's just start tracking blood, which wasn't hard. And we probably went, I don't know, 40 yards, and we come across a little log laying there and just blood all over it. You know, immediate flashback for me, you know. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I knew where I'd seen that before about an hour earlier. <laughs> My arrow is laying there on that log. <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, and it's, we pick that thing up and I've never, I mean, it was just, blood was just running off of it. And TJ, he's got the air in his hand. He looks at me, he goes, I believe you got him. I said, shit, you think? You know, uh, there's enough blood on that air. air he needs a transfusion. And uh, so we walked probably another 30 yards and or so. And, and we seen him laying there and he was wrapped around a tree. And we were looking at G2s, and we thought we were looking at main beams. Uh, so the, the old shit factor went way up when I thought that his G2s were his main beams. <laughs> TJ, you know, God bless him, he says, that's a pretty good deer, which if it had been a spike, TJ would say that to make me feel better. That's the kind of person he is. And we're standing there with flashlights looking at this deer from like 20 yards away. I was like, yeah, he's not bad. I'm like thinking in my mind, oh my God, there's one buck tag wasted, you know? And, uh, and I'm like, do you recognize that deer? And he's like, no. He's like, do you? I was like, no, I, don't, I have no clue what deer that is. And, uh, I mean, we're, we're standing here for like a minute, just going back and forth. And he's like, well, he's like, I guess we go look at him. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm like my head's hanging low, like stupid idiot. You shot a little buck. And, uh, so we walked down there. And I go around the backside of the deer, and I just kind of peek over, and I say, "Yeah, he's a little better than I thought." And my brother, you know, I texted him, said we found him, because uh, he was planning on coming up and helping, because he knows usually my track jobs are about a six-day event. <laughs> so TJ, he's, he's in front of the deer, and he says, "Come here for a minute." And I was like, "All right." So I walk down there, and I'm looking at him. I'm not even looking at the deer could care less because you know i was like man you just burned a good spot and a good tag on you know and he says he said you recognize that deer now and i was like what he's like look at it and that's when i got the head on shot of him and realized what he was <laughs> uh, you know and we were looking at at 10 and a half inch g2s instead of 10 and a half inch main beams oh right so you know i you know, screamed like a little girl for a minute. And, <laughs> and uh, well, we just, you know, we freaked out. I was like, man, we, we finally done it. Because TJ was hunting this deer, too. Uh, he was just as much a part of it as I was. You know, he, he wanted him bad, too. And I actually apologized for shooting him. I was like, I'm sorry, man. I was like, I know you're hunting him. You know, just we're, we're that kind of friends, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been happy for him. If he killed it, I'm not going to say I'd rather he killed it. I'd been happier, but I would have been happy for him. Sure. Um, so, yeah, we we get the deer out. Or we're getting him out, and Will calls me because I called him, and he said, send me a picture. So 
I see him a picture and he calls me back. He says, I got a shed from him. And I was like, where in the hell did, you know, when did this come about? And uh, apparently some guys, I didn't even know it, about half a mile or so away, maybe a little more, logged some timber and kicked it up with a skid steer. Oh, wow. And they'd give it to Will. And apparently that's where that deer, you know, he was using on that side of the road, the same side of the road I found his four-and-a-half-year-old shed. So Will comes over, brings the sheds, you know, the shed he had, and uh, we match it up. Sure enough, it's the same deer. And uh, just at that point, I'm ecstatic. I'm like, I've got, you know, three sheds from this thing. You know, that's just the coolest thing in the world. And, uh, but, I'm, you know, I'm like, I know this deer six. There's this five-and-a-half-year-old shed out there somewhere. And, uh, so I called a couple of days later, I'd called the, the farmer that owns the, he owns a small piece on the other side of the road from, from where my godmother lives. And I said, Hey, look, you know, I shot that big buck. I'm sure you've seen him. And this guy don't hunt. He's really a super great guy. I said, I don't want to hunt your place. So I just want to go in there and see if I can find any more of his horns. I've got three of them. He said, yeah, so I'm cutting my steers on Saturday, going to move them out Sunday. After that, you're free to go. No. So my wife and I, I got rained out of work. I believe it was on Wednesday. And uh, my wife and I went there, and we parked at his barn, and we get out of the car, and it's like she knew where this horn was her whole life. She straight beelines two, 300 yards. I don't know what it was. There's a big open patch of oaks, and then falls off into a little creek bed with a bunch of laurels and she's like just straight beeline right to that horn. It was laying on the edge of the creek in the laurels oh, and it was his two, one of his two and a half year old sides. Been laying there for four years. You know, it was green and chewed up, but, um, I know Walter, you've seen a picture of it. Yep. Definitely that no doubt it was from that deer. Absolutely. So I'm missing one from, from five, five and a half so if y'all find it you know you mail it <laughs> <laughs> he was just Cash down here on, on vacation <laughs> <laughs> he wintered in florida that year we'll find it yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he probably down at margaritaville <laughs> hey well one of my buddies swore he saw a buck from wisconsin down here one time so <laughs> virginia's a lot closer <laughs> yeah yeah that's right <laughs> that's, uh, well that's awesome man it's it, it, it's great when uh it finally comes together and the cool part was it is you didn't even know it was him when you shot so yeah no, I had, uh, no clue. <laughs> yeah uh it was just it was just meant to be that much i guess you know super fortunate that it was him you know uh, yeah it's a good thing you weren't chasing him for too much longer Cause then you might have been married to him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> living in a blind somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, that's that's the story of, of 21 years on one deer. That was the first rack buck I ever killed on that place in 21 years of hunting. Wow. And uh, the deer scored uh, 152 and two eights. That, does that gross or net? That's gross. Okay. Nets are for fishing. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Exactly. I was just curious. No, I, I don't. I've never netted a single deer I've got. Honestly, I see, I always <laughs> I see no point to so. it. It's ridiculous. 
yeah, the horn's there. You yeah. know, I don't see point taking it away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Didn't disappear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if it's up to me, they take the spread measurement off and give you all your horn measurements. Yeah. No. Uh, but right. I don't run the Boone and Crockett Club yet, so. <laughs> yeah. Come up with yeah. your own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You bought to there in the state of Virginia. Keep this up. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to. I, th- I guess I'm just going to have to start stretching them out to beat what I've got, you know. <laughs> uh, start yeah, start yeah. measuring them I'm green. Gonna, yeah. Uh, you know, the body weight will figure into it and uh, all that. You know? There you go. That's I mean, awesome. I sent Walter a picture of one yesterday, and, you know, I mean, it's a it's a good body deer for us. And, um, you know, I told him, I said, that thing would crap out of Florida deer. Uh, <laughs> and y'all's deer weigh yeah. 70 pounds. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Chase, I sent you that one uh, that was super tall that he sent me that photo of. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I've killed now. I've killed some. Well, this isn't gutted weight, but I've killed some weighing two hundred mm-hmm. down here. That's that's so. impressive to me. I, I I mean, it seriously is. Yeah, I did yeah, not yeah. realize that they would get that big. They aren't always. Yeah, like I said, they in in certain pockets. Yeah, they uh that they get that big. It's it's kind of weird, but yeah, I've, like I said, I've killed some that were right at two hundred pounds, um, before. So they're they're there, yeah. And normally when they're rutted out, they'll be around one sixty probably, mm-hmm. um, one fifty, one sixty. But that's like a, after the rut's over, you kill them kind of the end of the season. But uh, I would guess much? that buck about two twenty five. Okay. Dressed. Okay. Uh, okay. So probably about about two forty, two fifty. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. He was not the biggest body deer I killed, but he was a a, a good body deer. Yeah. That's what's up, man. I think I think the coolest thing about this is the fact that you just saw a big deer and you shot it. You know, like yeah. you, you just you, – it, it's just like the purest sense of it. You just, oh, big deer, it's going to die. We'll, we'll sort out the, the details later. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and the, I tell you what, and this is going to sound stupid, um, had that deer walked out in front of me, it would have took me looking at him a little bit before I'd have shot him. Um, and the reason I say that is he's framed more. His frame says 130 inches. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. Uh-huh. You know, he's got a lot of trash and he's got long points, but he's only 16 inches wide. Uh, you know, and, and I, I, that's, that's, yeah, my biggest buck is a you know one fifty eight is a nine pointer, one fifty five is an eight, um, at only sixteen inches wide, and that's pretty common for us. And uh, I'm sorry, this buck was seventeen inches wide, so it's hard to judge a deer that narrow, and you know, and to think that he'll make the score, uh, you know, when he first walks out, you see a sixteen inch wide deer, and you know, right. normally for a lot of people that's on a no kill list, you know. He's not wide. Uh, so I definitely would have had to look at him a little bit. Not long, but, you know, frame's the first thing I normally look at. Uh, beam length will tell you about all you need to know about a buck or tell me. Um, you know, if he ain't got, you know, 20-plus 20, 20 inch beams, I don't care what else he's got, he's not going to make it very big. Right. got to have that beam length. 
to push your measure, you know, one because that's a measurement, two to push your uh, to push your mass mass measurements. Uh, the longer them beads are, you know, the further back you're gonna be measuring on them horns, the more likely it is to carry that mass that you know. uh, so to me that's one of the first things I look at is just the frame. And he's not you know, he's good frame, but he's not framed like the other one fifties that I've shot. Okay. Uh, it's everything else that puts him up there. Right. Well shoot, did you see that buck that was killed in Oklahoma? It was an eight by eight. Yeah. Uh, typical. That was like two oh nine. He doesn't look like he's got much of a frame, but no. every one of his tines are like ten inches yeah. long. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that that was the first thing I said when I looked at that deer is you know, to me that deer has yeah, what I'm going to call a, a low 140s frame. Yeah. yeah he's, he's small frame, but everything else makes up for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you add them extra four times on each side, they start adding up real quick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, that, that thing that thing's just crazy. That's To me, that is, you know, and, and it's not going to be the state record everybody thought it was going to be, which sucks. Uh, right. It may be state record bow once it's dry, um, but – yeah, to me that's one of the prettiest deer that's been shot, you know, in my lifetime. Because that thing is just so, you know, I mean, who kills an eight by eight typically? <laughs> yeah, not me, <laughs> not in Florida. That ain't a thing in Florida. You're lucky if they're five by five. I've never. I don't know that me myself have ever actually seen more than one or two, you know, six by six typical, you know, deer alive. You know, right. out walking around, and uh, I've never shot one. Well, actually, I have a lot to you. I got one. I forgot about him, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he he's got some other trash that, that's on him. He's not clean, but he is a typical six to six. But so that's probably one of the two that I've ever seen. You know, alive. Right. That's awesome, man. Yeah, they grow some freaks out in Oklahoma. <laughs> oh yeah yeah they they it seems like they're just getting bigger and bigger out there every year i don't know you know they're definitely changing they're becoming quickly recognized as a big buck state yep. and i hope virginia never reaches that to be honest with you. <laughs> well florida we'll just go ahead will, and delete so. this podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, I didn't think about all this. Let's hit the rewind button. Yeah. That deer actually scored 112. Yeah. <laughs> I shot him in North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> Public land. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, man. Well, listen, there's one more story I want to get to. We're, we're creeping up on the time we had allotted, but this is just too good a story Uh if you two have the time, uh, yeah, I have the time, and I'll you know, so Chase, it's fine with me. You got it too. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, I'll All make right. it. A, I'll make it a quick rundown. <laughs> okay, so. so there's there's one more story that I want to tell, and we'll, we'll be kind of quick with it because I want to be sensitive to everybody here's time. But dude, we got to talking the first time we were on the phone for quite some time, and the reason why I said. Chase is probably going to be back on the podcast is a, I think he enjoys talking about deer hunting. I don't know if y'all have noticed, but B the dude has no shortage of, of deer hunting stories. And I just kind of want you to, to re recount the, the story of, of the deer you lost and then later recovered. Okay. Well, as it so happens, this was the, 
the six for six typical that I was talking about, and I guess that's why I forgot about him. Uh, <laughs> I, I had to forget about him for a long time. Whenever I was 18 years old, me and my dad would go and watch these two nice tenth corner spar in a hayfield almost every evening. And I decided that I was going to hunt them deer a little bit different than what we'd been doing because we just wasn't killing no big bucks. And uh, so I, I decided to myself I was going to carry a, a climber in on the first evening of bow season and I was going to hunt them deer. And hopefully they'd never know I was there. So young, naive me, and I hadn't been hunting out of tree stands long at all at this point. It's probably my third or fourth time ever using a climber. So I went up there and I found the perfect tree, which happened to be a wild cherry about the size of your leg. Yeah, not perfect at all. <laughs> but I struggled and got that stand up there. Once I got up about 10 feet, I couldn't go no more because the tree was too crooked and I was just too gassed to get back down and try and find another one. And I'd position myself right off the corner of that field. There was a fence line behind me. It was growed up in Greenbriars. And the, the, like I said, the field cornered. And right at the corner, the old man that owned the place used to grow a garden there. And it had since growed up in what we call broom straw. I don't know if y'all have that no. down there. Uh-uh. It's just kind of like a, a native grass. It can grow, you know, chest high. It's just, you know, just like a brown dead grass, I guess you'd say. And uh, some people call it broom sage. But, you know, oh, it's just I know a, what you're talking about. Yep. Okay. All right, so uh, I hadn't been there long, I'm guessing. You know, it was probably an hour and a half, maybe two hours before dark. I seen a deer moving around and that stuff, and I thought, well, it's this early. It's probably a day. That deer stuck its head out, and, you know, I, I damn near died because <laughs> it just it had it looked like it had points going every, every which way. <laughs> and uh, so I'm. You know, the deer's probably 60 yards from me, and I have one of them Primo's bleak cans. You know, free advertising here. <laughs> and I didn't know what else to do, and I just turned that thing over, and he looked up. And I turned it over again, and that deer trotted right to me, jumped through that, uh, you know, through them green buyers on that fence and was standing at 10 yards. And I'm like 10 feet up on the on the the high side. So me and him, he's probably honestly about two feet from being high level of my feet. And I'm froze. And he's on my right hand side. So I'm turned around facing the tree. Uh, and he kind of, he walks and he gets behind the tree and I see him and he's, he's eating in them green bars. I thought, oh my God, here's my chance. So I got turned around real quick and uh, I drew back and just waited on him to step. And finally, he stepped right out. He's at 10 yards, and I let one go. A deer wheeled, run straight downhill. And I could see that arrow. You know, it didn't pass there. You don't get many of them shooting like poundage. Uh, and I knew it was in a good spot, but I was, I was afraid it was a touch forward. So I, I got down, you know, I went home, waited for my dad to get in from hunting. And uh, we we all, the several of us went back around 9 o'clock at night, and we jumped him. He had bedded 80 yards from where I oh. shot him. 
and I felt, you know, then that, that if we left him, he would die. So he, we went back the next morning. We seen where he got into a creek, and that creek runs into a small river. Uh, so I, I assumed, and my dad did too. I mean, it's only, you know, it makes common sense to me that that deer would run that creek downstream and probably go to the river. And that's right. what a lot of deer had done in the past for my dad. So we go following that thing. Never could find where he went out of the creek. Nothing. Uh, and I can't go up the creek far at all from where I shot him. It gets over into somebody else's property. And, uh, yeah, it just wasn't something that we could do. So. That sucks. What did you feel I, like at that point in time? What was wrong uh, with I was. Mind? I'm pretty sure I cried, honestly. <laughs> I, I'd never seen a deer like that in my life. I was 18 years old, shot him with a bow, and knew he was dead. Uh, but, I, you know, it was just one of the things, you know, my dad told me, he said, you just got to let him go. Uh, maybe you didn't hit him good and he'll come back. Uh, you know, he told me the other rut. You never know if he gets on a doe, he'll follow her anyway. So I held on to that and never seen him again. So for 10 years, I told a story about a buck I lost to anybody that would listen. Uh, I was heartbroken. And, uh, you know, I, I told, you know, I don't know how many thousands of times. Well, Will, who I'd known sort of my whole life, knew who he was. We became, got to become pretty good friends. And uh, this was last year. And, you know, we were just talking deer hunting one day, and I told him about this big buck that I had shot when I was young, and it got away from me. And he starts quizzing me on where this deer was, what it looked like, what day I shot it, what year, you know. And I'm like, man, these are kind of uncommon questions that people ask, you know. So uh, we went through the whole, you know, the 10 rapid fire like y'all did to me. <laughs> he, he told me he said man he said i know where that deer's at i'm like yeah i bet you do you know <laughs> and uh, he said no he said i ain't kid he said that year on the second day of bow season it was on a sunday and that time we couldn't hunt on sunday he said my buddy um the place next to it they they run some dogs sometimes i'm i don't want to give up too informa- much information um Apparently somebody run their dogs that night. Their dogs come across the deer. He told this Will's buddy. Will's buddy went over there and got it, cut its head off. God. So he had it just love this for story. all these years. <laughs> and uh, and Will had took it. Will hunts out eastern Virginia, you know, five six hours from us. And he he taken that thing out there and showed it off, you know. Because yeah, the, at that time that was just an absolute giant. Still is for here. It's a still, you know. But nobody seen much of anything like it. It's very very rare then. And uh, yeah, he'd taken everywhere, and this thing had been showed off. And he said they used to get together. Him and all his buddies would get together at his house before deer season every year. He said they always brought that rack, and you know they just kind of dreamed, you know, what was going to be the next day. Uh, so the guy give will the rack will brought it over and he says to him i said it's gotta be you know um the deer had points going everywhere real gnarly looking uh you know he was found probably with 
within 300 yards of where I shot him. Mm. Uh, so, you know, in, in 10 years, you don't remember picture perfect exactly what he looks like, but there's, you know, uh, I couldn't paint that buck no different than like what this rack is, you know? Sure. He's just so odd. Um, straight beam don't come out any, you know, and I got a pretty good look at him when I shot him because he's only 10 yards. And, uh, but so anyway, you know, long story short here, you know, 10 years later, uh, I was finally able to put my hands on a buck and he's the coolest deer I've got in one sense, because he has, even though I didn't find him when I shot him, yeah, that deer's got two stories. He's got the story of the guy that shot him, couldn't find him. And then the story of the guy that found him and always wondered, you know, where he come from and who shot him. And, you know, so it's just crazy how all them years later, off of one happenstance, just telling one person about it, you know, that I finally told the right guy and, and I got him back. And, you know, now he's mounted on a different cape on my wall. And he scored one fifty one and six eights, I believe is what he scored. That's unreal. That's and, uh, unreal. You never yeah, hear about he, something like that ever happening. No, no, you don't. And uh, it, it takes it takes, you know, a real good person to to allow that story to end the way it did. Sure. Uh because I tell you, uh I try not to be a greedy person, but if I was in his shoes, I don't know that I could have done it. I don't know that I could have let that go, that rack. Uh, you know, it's, that's a hard thing to do. Sure. Even though if I didn't kill it, you know, I found it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always wondered, you know, all these sheds I got, what happens when somebody shoots a buck and they, they know I've got them and they come ask me, you know, would I be able to let them go? And I think now I would because somebody sort of did the same thing for me and, yeah, you know, I know what it means to you. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That, kudos to that fellow. If I'm ever up there near you and we and three of us can link up, I'm gonna buy him a beer because that took uh, <laughs> that that took some serious uh, love. There's love in that man's heart. Oh yeah, you know? yeah, I, one in a million. You know, that very seldom that something like that happens, even if it's a hundred and ten inch deer. You know. Uh, but for it to be a rack like that and somebody willing to give it back to you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the game warden, he come looked at the horns and wrote me a reclaim tag. That way I could get him mounted. Uh, you know, so it just, it's one of the things, man, just like the deer I killed, I, I did, the, the one I killed with this year, if it wasn't for, for Will and, and TJ and all that, you know, everybody willing to help me. And, you know, I'd have never killed that deer on my own. It took several people and, yeah, that's that's one thing I do love about hunting is people you need to let it pull you apart or you know, or people come together over it. For sure. For sure. Yep. Well dude I mean like right now I'm talking to two idiots from Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting here uh hoping one day I can reclaim a, a, a an eighty inch deer, but uh, you know, maybe the same same time as when I kill it, let alone reclaiming a hundred and would you say hundred and fifty five <laughs> inch buck? It was, it was 151. 150. God, that's just, that's huge, man. I ain't never held that much bone in my hands before. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll go ahead and say With that. that. <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, Everybody but, 
was thinking it. I'm I glad. Was, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I could tee that up and somebody come by and knock that one down for me. <laughs> I'm glad I made your editing process a little bit longer. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> oh, no, that's staying. Don't you worry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, listen, dude, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to talk on the podcast. Um, if you'll hang on one second, I'm going to wrap this thing up, send the guests on our way, but I want to chat with you afterwards. No problem, man. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Guys, this has been an awesome podcast. Seldom do you get two really exciting stories in one episode, but we did it. We did it today. Until next time, do us a favor. Tell people about the podcast. Find somebody who might be interested. Share the word about the podcast. Encourage them to download it. We grow when you guys tell people about it. All the money that we make off Patreon or our own dollars that go into this. We don't put anything into marketing. It goes right into the, the production of this show, and we need your help spreading the word. And it's been growing. The numbers are up. We really appreciate it. And until next time, you guys, most importantly, get outside and go enjoy the outdoors. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. A mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.